0: As we come to God's Word today, I invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. This is a a, a short, um, and I would say really uh, concise and punctuated uh, passage in Scripture. Verses 2 through 6 of Colossians chapter 4. If you're looking for where that is, you get through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, And then the book of Acts, the letter to Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then the uh, these four letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Colossians chapter four, two through six, is kind of the the last focus point of this letter that we've been studying throughout the summer um, in a process that we call a lectio continua, just a continuous reading of the same book of the Bible. Um, Lectio Continua, for the purpose of, of just studying this book in its entirety. Next week is the last Sunday, and the next week is really Paul's final greetings. It's different people that he wants to, to call out by name with thanksgiving and gratitude. And so today is, is kind of the, the culminating focus of the whole letter thus far. It is, in some ways, a really simple passage to preach because it speaks for itself, Which also makes us want to to wrestle deeply. How do we engage these words that are are very clear in front of us in a way that we take them with us, that we let them shape and form us? And so, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Today, um, let's uh, say a prayer for the reading of God's word um, as we read together. Will you pray with me? God, for your word. For the the long and lengthy passages, for the ones that are hard to understand, we give you thanks. And for these short and precious verses that in many ways speak for themselves, we give you thanks. Lord, most of all, we give you thanks that your Holy Spirit is alive and active and at work in the reading of the word so that your words may be more than just ink on paper or pixels on the screen but that it may be your living word to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. So open our eyes, open our hearts, that we may know you better. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is an old woman who had a candle on her kitchen table. And every morning when she got up, she would go to her table And once she was ready to sit down and to have her time with God, she would light the candle. And then she would have her morning devotional reading, her Bible reading, and her time in prayer. And she let the candle continue to burn during her time of devotion and prayer. And then, once all was completed... When her prayer list had been prayed for, when she had spent time listening to God as well, then she would extinguish the candle and go about the rest of her day. This was her habit and routine, and those who knew her well knew that the candle on the table was to be lit during devotion and during prayer. And a friend who knew her well once asked her, Um, why she used the candle. And and in fact, maybe feeling a little bit questioning, a little bit spiritual, asked her, "Well, well, aren't we supposed to, as Paul said in Thessalonians, to pray without ceasing? So when you blow out the candle, does it mean that you stop praying? And the woman said, no, it doesn't. And I do know what it says in Thessalonians about praying without ceasing. And I also know That even in my old age, I still feel busy, I still get distracted, and there's no way that I will learn to pray without ceasing throughout my whole day and life if I don't first learn to be devoted to prayer in the morning. That I can pray that I can at least not have a distracted mind to pray in the morning, how else would I ever pray throughout the day with all of its busyness and distractions? She said, The candle is my tutor. It teaches me how to pray. And the candle reminds me that I need to be as devoted to prayer as fire is devoted to burning. I need to learn to be as devoted to prayer As fire is devoted to burning. And so, when the candle is extinguished, it's not the end of prayer. It's not the end of seeking to be a disciple for for all of the waking and hours of the day. It is simply the reminder that the way you pray without ceasing, with someone holding you accountable, with this tutor, with the candle, reminding you to be with singular focus devoted to prayer, to carry that into the rest of your day. Candle can be a good tutor. And to remind us even from the story of of an old woman who said that I'm still busy and distracted, it it reminds us that there's never that point in life where we'll suddenly have all the time that we want to pray. We live busy, fast-paced lives in a busy and fast-paced world. So waiting for the right opportunity to be devoted to prayer will never fully arrive without Without our own beginning point to say, today I'm going to learn. Today I'm going to set aside a little bit of time. And maybe it's a friend that you pray with, maybe it's a candle that you light, but something to remind you and to build into your habit the very discipline of being devoted to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, says the Apostle Paul. We need this reminder over and over again. Devote yourselves to prayer. Because it's easy to forget. Because it's a, it's a double-edged sword that, that God is always there for us. Because it does mean that whenever we pray, God is there. Whenever we feel lonely, whenever we worry, whenever Jesus rescues. But... If we don't first find a way to devote ourselves to prayer, we never get to this devoted point in prayer. And I say it's a double-edged sword that God is always there for us because if God is always there, we can almost take for granted God's availability, that we never actually set aside time to talk for God. We just offer the occasional frantic prayer in a time of desperate need. In that way, there's not a, a devotion to prayer. Prayer becomes just a last resort. But this idea of devoting yourselves to prayer throughout all of our life is one where we make prayer our first resort and our last resort, and covering everything in between. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be as devoted to prayer as fire is to burning. This verse is almost like a, a if there were a how to Christian verse, it would be this to devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And I I, I hear those words being being watchful and thankful. And and particularly as we as we think about those, I I want to just note a grammatical uh, note of significance that, that watchful and thankful here are of equal importance in regards to the devotion to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And just in our context, in this current point in time, as I'm sure there were other issues in the church in Colossae when Paul wrote this letter to them from prison, we live in a very defensive time. We live in a world that um, does not necessarily like to listen that much. We We live in a world where being watchful can often mean defensiveness against any hostility that we're almost watchful for any perceived threat, whether it be political disagreements or, or any current social issue on which there's a lot of animosity, our type of watchful today is often a defensive animosity, ready for hostility at any time. And, and certainly there is a certain watchfulness at which, at which we are cautious, right? Right? as certain verses that we might um, tie into this word of watchful, like 1 Peter 5.8, which tells us that the devil, your adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so we might take a little bit of be watchful to that or from Ephesians 4.7, do not give the devil a foothold. There's a certain watchfulness that is healthy and, and we find in Scripture. But here, just by context and word choice, Perhaps a more helpful notion of watchfulness to take on is that which Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, This type of watchfulness is not just a, a cautious posture against the world. It's not a watchfulness that makes us batten down the hatches against any threat. It's not a watchfulness that makes us close ourselves off. It is a watchfulness just as much of our heart and soul. It is a watchfulness of the posture of our heart because part of what prayer does is brings us to God that that we can be as devoted to God as fire is to burning and be shaped by God. So some of the watchfulness in prayer has to start with the watchfulness of our own heart. Being fair to ourselves about are we devoted to prayer? Or, or with what motive do we pray? And are we watching for ways in which God is actually speaking to us where sometimes God knows already what we need and God knows what we want and shouldn't have? Are we watchful for the ways in which prayer is changing our heart? Being watchful is to first also watch our own heart and then to be watchful throughout the world. But once again, not, not with a threat assessment watchfulness, but rather in this context of our short few verses today, the type of watchfulness is found in verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. This is a watchfulness for opportunities to share the message of Jesus Christ. This is a watchfulness to reach out, not just to hide back. Being watchful means to be aware, present to everything around you, starting with your own heart and then with those around you. Being watchful and being thankful. Being thankful means that that we're watching for reasons to rejoice just as much as we're aware of prayer requests and needs that we have. Are, Are we watching for the moments where our prayers are answered? that we have just as much gratitude in our prayer as we do petition. And I'm not saying that's always going to be a one-to-one ratio, a perfect balance. But there is something that is missing if our prayer life never includes a devotion to being thankful for our daily bread, for prayers answered, Part of what we did with Vacation Bible School, and and many have done this on mission trips, is is to look for God sightings. Are, Are we being just as watchful and thankful for the ways in which God is at work in our hearts, around us, in our world? When tragedy strikes, are we watching for the ways in which people were helping? Are we watching for ways in which God is at work? We are watchful but also thankful people, watching out for reasons to rejoice, my friends, we should not extinguish the candle of prayer until we have also included that same reminder to be taught to be thankful. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus healed 10 lepers. Some of you might know this story. How many of them came back to say thank you to Jesus? One. Healed 10 lepers, made them ceremonially clean, they could be reinducted into society. You'd think this this was the biggest life change they could have had, that their prayers, their request to God was answered when Jesus healed them, but only one remembered to come back and say thanks. There's a profound lesson about human nature in that for us and a profound reminder to be watchful and thankful, that those two have to go hand in hand with one another, that we can learn to make the most of every opportunity as we seek to be people who are devoted to prayer. It's a good reminder, and I think a few weeks ago when former missionary Jim Harrison was here, I think Jim did a good job of reminding us of this, is is that our prayer is so much bigger than just us. Prayer is about God. It is by necessity about God. So that as we devote ourselves to prayer, we're learning to be devoted to God, and that God is bigger than us. And what that means is that you can pray for things that are, in fact, beyond your capacity. Think about if if you were someone in the church at Colossae, one of the Colossian Christians uh, back in the days of Paul, shortly following the days of Jesus. And Paul, the missionary, the one who Epaphras brought the gospel to Colossae, but Paul was the one who taught Epaphras, That, that all the respect and reverence that you would have for this person named Paul And yet Paul asks the Colossian church to pray for him. Paul asks that church of of young believers to pray for him. That God may open a door for the message to be shared. That the mystery of Christ may be proclaimed. And that Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul is asking them to pray for a clarity of the gospel that not all of the Christians in Colossae even had. That they they are praying for something that, that they don't even have. Paul's writing this letter to the church, to the Colossian church in the first place, so that they can gain clarity and understanding of their faith, so that they can grow in their discipleship, so that they can grow a deeper appreciation for God and God's love for the world. And yet they can still pray That Paul can have a clarity that they themselves might not yet even have. This is a reminder that we can pray beyond our capacity, beyond our understanding, and that reminds us that prayer is bigger than us. That the prayer life that we devote ourselves to is one about God. You could sit back and think, well, Paul's the missionary. Paul's the teacher. Paul, Paul knows so much about Jesus and about the scriptures that we don't even know. Paul's the one out there sharing the message. What part do I have in that? And yet Paul asks the Colossian church, Pray for us. Pray for me. Participate in this work that we are all in doing together. Pray for everyone. Devote yourselves to prayer in such a way that you're praying even beyond your own capacity. Prayer is bigger than us. You can pray for a clarity for others that you yourself might not even have. It's profound and so easy to take for granted that, that we have this joy of being able to pray to God, that we might take the availability of God for granted. Devote yourselves to prayer. And in so doing, as we pray, we we seek to have our hearts shaped to be more like God, we, we learn to pray by praying, as circular as that might sound. We, we learn to pray. And we learn to listen for God's heart. We learn to pay attention for answered prayers and for gratitude. And if we continue to be shaped by this devotion to prayer, then we get to the next level out. We've been watchful of our own hearts. And now we get to have that same watchfulness for those around us, Verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now once again, this be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, we, we could limit wisdom in dealing with outsiders to only caution, to only battening down the hatches, to only closing ourselves off or retreating to where it's safe. That would be an abuse of this encouragement, this admonition to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders because this wisdom is one that makes the most of every opportunity. So be wise, not in a way that makes you feel safe and cautious that you can hide from the world, but be wise in the way that you reach out because that's how we make the most of an opportunity. The word for making the most of here for every opportunity is a, is a word that, that in its essence means redeem. Now, that leads me to a question. How many of you use coupons? By show of hands. Yeah, there's a fair amount. Yeah, okay, we're, we're starting to see kind of a wave happen. There, there is a, a cultural uh, tr- effect at work. There's probably a lot of coupon users in that congregation, and that's nothing bad about any of us. That just means we all want to be thrifty. But what do you have to do with a coupon? You have to redeem it. It's worthless if not redeemed. You have to make the most of it. And coupons often have expiration dates, don't they? If you wait too long, your coupons become worthless. The, the paperclip full of Meyer coupons that, that sits in that stack and eventually um, I go through and I start flipping through and expired, 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 expired. That was not making the most of every opportunity with the coupon. The, the time has already passed. If we can be as attentive to our coupons as we can be to human beings created in the image of God, we will be inspired through prayer to make sure that we make the most of our opportunity in the right moment that we don't let it slip by. Sometimes we don't know if we have the, the words to say, we don't know if we can answer everyone, but we have to seek in that moment to make the most of every opportunity. And if it does seem to pass by, how can we still seek to redeem it? Now also, certain coupons are not available the day you get them. Have you noticed this? Some of the best coupons you get aren't available the day that you get them, they're available later There's a wisdom in knowing when not to push too hard on an opportunity or to to come on too strong right away. But to make the most of every opportunity is to commit and establish relationships. Making the most of every opportunity. Can't be too strong too soon. Can't wait too long or be too cautious that the opportunity is gone. Friends, this simply takes wisdom to know which is which. And we get wisdom, as, James, as the book of James tells us, by when we lack wisdom to ask God for it, who gives generously without finding fault, so that we can know how to make the most of every opportunity, how to redeem those moments at the right time, to make the most of them. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer Everyone, Knowing how to answer everyone, if I'm honest, seems pretty intimidating. To always have a response ready, to know exactly what to say in every circumstance, in every situation, I I think is actually in some ways impossible. Knowing how to answer everyone has to come out of a devotion to prayer first. It has to come from knowing ourselves and the person we're speaking with well enough to know how to answer everyone. But one thing that I note about growing into this idea of answering all is that we don't know how to answer people that we haven't actually listened to. We don't know how to answer people that we actually haven't listened to. Do you ever think through a conversation in your head ahead of time? Maybe it's an argument that you know you're going to have, and you're trying to think of what the other person's going to say and how you're going to respond, and you are writing the script in your head for how that conversation will go that you will know how to answer every single one of their points before the conversation even takes place. This can happen in all kinds of settings with employees and employers, this can happen um, in families, this can happen in marriages. I hope no one got um, elbowed too hard in the ribs while this was being said. We don't know how to answer someone that we haven't actually listened to. Because in our somewhat defensive, edgy culture, we are primed to argue, primed to tell other people that they're wrong and dumb. But did we listen first? Did we season our conversations as with salt, as with grace? that our conversations can be full of the grace that has the capacity to listen, that they could be seasoned with salt because you can't answer someone that you've never actually listened to. Friends, God listens to us. Even when we say things that that God knows are not good for us, even when we ask for things that, that God knows our hearts better than that, and yet God still listens to us. And in God's abundant grace... Is with us. When we're lonely, when we're powerless, when we worry, God is with us. If that's the type of grace that God has for us, then friends, we also seek to model ourselves in devotion to prayer, in devotion to God, to make our conversations full of grace. Grace in conversation has the ability to to listen with things that we disagree with, to listen to the things that make our fists clench up and our jaws tense and our blood pressure rise. Grace, grace-filled conversations can listen to all of that, that we first seek to listen before we're jumping out of the gate to respond. We will never make the most of every opportunity if we are more eager for someone to listen to us than what we have the capacity to for us to listen to them. So friends, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful in such a way to make the most of every opportunity. Be thankful for the ways in which God is at work, even in the mundane ways that we might take for granted. Be watchful. Be thankful. And make the most of the opportunities, and sometimes make the most of your learning when opportunities did not go as well as they could have. Let your conversations be that full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that in those opportunities we may know how to answer everyone after we have listened well to them, to earn the credibility and trust and respect that they also might listen to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's pray. God, you not only hear us, but you listen to us You know every word we're going to say before it's on our tongue, before it enters into our mind, and you listen to us because you love us. Fill us with your love for ourselves, for our neighbors, and for the world, that we may listen well, that we may respond well, and that all of this may be done not on our own strength or accord or power, but by devoting ourselves to prayer. God, help us to be watchful for the right opportunities to listen and to speak, to serve and to be served. Help us to be thankful for your provision for us and for all of the ways in which you answer our prayers, even sometimes in the ways we didn't expect or originally ask for. In all of this, God, fill us with your grace, with your love, and with your Holy Spirit's power.